This podcast is supported by Siemens, your partner for industrial grade AI. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of our Industrial AI Podcast. My name is Robert Weber, and it's a pleasure to talk to Peter Sieber. Good morning, Robert. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you, Peter. Today we have news. Huh? <laughs> today uh, <laughs> we have no technical issues and no technical problems. So today we can offer our listeners some news from around the world, industrial AI. Even you were news that we had last even, week. Even, even you won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's start, Peter. Should I start? Yeah. I have two. One, one is a bigger topic. It's a Galactica. Galactica. So the uh, Facebook parent company, Meta, they took its Galactica, so-called scientific large language model. Uh, they have developed it to, to write scientific papers here, here. Uh, and thus support researchers. They took it offline after, I would say, a shitstorm for Galactica, allegedly not capable of distinguishing between fact and fiction. And I would uh, support that last fact. So Galactica is, was a large language model, has been trained on this, say, 40 million, uh, 48 million scientific uh, articles. There is an accompanying paper, I quote, they talk of a large language model that can store, combine, and reason here, here. So Lacan, um, you know, we know, we'll talk about him a bit more later, did receive praise for the ambition of the project, but this was really overruled by laughter. You know, it's like mockery, you know, generating fake research that sounded, sounded right. That's the danger, right? But without common sense, how could it? Even hilarious, you know, like the article, produced about bears, you know, being animals living in space. So there was besides, and we'll talk, as I say, you you add that later, Jürgen Schmidhuber, uh, Gary Marcus, you know, they are known opponents. You know, they, they like to fight a little bit uh, on Twitter, on, on other sites. But there are other people, like, for whatever reason, seen at many places, the director at the Max Planck Institute for Intelligent Systems. He's from Tübingen, Germany. And he is saying, dangerous, why dangerous? Well, you know, Galactica generates tax, which is grammatically correct, and it feels real. And this tax will slip into real scientific submissions, and it will be realistic, but wrong or biased. So my take on this is this, what is happening, is part of the, I would say, general discussion, development of large language models. You know, we have done that a couple of times, in, including also with, with Sepp Hochreiter, including stable diffusion. That's what I'll talk about later as a second topic I have. And we come to the capabilities of these big models, their bias, their potential dangers to society. We all recall that six years ago, Microsoft, Twitter bot called Tay, you know, he became he or whatever, the algorithm became racist, you know, within the day and taken off. So I have, of course, always said AI machine learning is a tool, nothing but. So, you know, use it as a tool. Don't expect the pen in your hand to to make itself, you know, conscious and start writing signs or whatever articles for you. So you, the listener, you, you're the human, you are, and I believe that you will be always responsible for your thoughts and whatever. And you can use AI machine learning 
as a tool. Then we come to the reasoning, right? Reasoning specifically mentioned in the paper. So to my modest belief, you know, reasoning can only be done by humans. You know, as long as science exists for us humans, then you need to have been born, I believe, as a human and put research into the perspective of humans, we living on Earth. You know, maybe at some point in time on the moon. I don't know. So finishing off, I personally do not really understand how appraised scientists like Yann Lacan, you know, we recall that he was one of the 2018 Turing Award winners, right? And and for me, it's kind of, it's almost sad. You know, how can they be so so reckless that they take research and they were praised for their research but why do they take research which is in their lab why do they take it out to the world and 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 expect society to say oh wow this is this is marvelous two finishing thoughts i i compare it also to like we're developing autonomous driving right and i say will we as a society on the road towards you know the perfect autonomous driving with zero accidents will we allow casualties That's the question. And then the final thought, will we as a society allow for models producing untruths before in the end (laughs) they will produce truths and nothing but the truths? So help me whoever. You know, they will never produce the truth, I believe so. But I think that's a good point because we always have this question uh, when we have this foundation, this big models, what is the, the role of the research in the future? And I think that's the role for the research in the future to make clear this is wrong, this is right, this is wrong, this is right. Our foundation models are working. Very good point. Yeah. And I think there was a warning. Uh, I didn't read through the complete paper, but somewhere there is a specific warning that you should not take whatever result comes out of Galactica. It's almost like saying, yeah, we have something here, but yeah, I mean, sometimes it's going to be, you know, correct and sometimes it's not going to be correct. But then the question really is like, maybe, maybe the point really is, I don't know, I don't know. It's all about the world in which we're in, of course, as well. Maybe 10, 20 years ago, when all these and other scientists They were meeting, you know, at their whatever, annually meetings, you know, there were 100, 200, 300 scientists. And if that was the place where they were discussing this and showing this, that was probably, maybe that is the point. Maybe the fact that they now open it up to the world, I would say that was probably way 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 too early if ever if ever they can they can publish a thing like this i think we will have some very interesting discussions next week because everybody is meeting in new orleans because norips 2022 zep is there yakan is there benjo is there key snook is there i think they will discuss this topic too All right, good. Oh, in uh, in New Orleans. It's two weeks in New Orleans, yeah. It's very, very interesting. Isn't New Orleans the place where all the, um, the people make music in the streets? Yeah, it's a jazz or blues or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a completely different topic. But I, I bought a clarinet, which is going to come the next uh, couple of days. Oh, I always oh, buy yeah. instruments, and then a couple of days later, I sell them to a friend for half the price. <laughs> different topic, but that's how I was searching on YouTube. There was a comment from you on YouTube as well this morning, which I didn't understand. And I then saw, which I did immediately recognize, I never was in New Orleans, where, yeah, 
people, jazz, and they were clarinet. They were playing the clarinet in New, uh, in New Orleans. So. so my news is there was also a discussion between Jan Lecan and Jürgen Schmidhuber. I don't know if you recognize this discussion. Lecan answers the question from a Twitter user. What are the most important intellectual breakthroughs in AI in the last 10 years? And he mentioned self-supervised ResNets, it's an artificial neural network. It is gateless or open-gated variant of dynamic connecting graphs was the third one. Then the fourth one was differential memory. And the fifth one was transformers. And then Jung Schmidhuber retweets the tweet with the note. It now listen. Lacan's five best ideas are mostly from my lab. And the story then goes even further and the discussion goes even further. So I will put the whole documentation of this discussion in the show notes. That is, of course, the ongoing, let's say, disagreement between different scientists uh, on artificial intelligence, which is sad. And that is part of the comment I saw from, uh, from Andrew, Andrew Eng Wing. Sorry, I still do not completely ever understand how to pronounce his name correctly. I think Andrew Wing, NG. But he, he said he takes kind of the middle. Yeah, he's a more diplomatic guy. He says, you know, praise. And I've seen praise from other people for the work that Lacan, his team, has been doing. But he's also saying, you know, it's way too early or should this have been done? And an important point, and I've seen that also commented years ago by Lex Friedman, Uh, says, you know, please, guys, you know, please, colleagues, scientists, you know, take out the negativism, negativism kind of, you know, you know, behave like scientists. Uh, and of course, you know, Jürgen has been kind of, let's say, frustrated, probably, but at least from his perspective, always been saying, you know, research is about doing new things on top of what your predecessors have been doing. And that's what good research is always about. Now, if enough are that is correct or not, I'm not going to take a view here because I couldn't even, but that has been going on for a long time, which is a little bit sad sometimes. But at the same time, you know, there's people like Jürgen, like Sepp, like others, who have not received, you know, certain awards yet. You know, you and yep. I, yep. we do our very best to make sure that that's going to change. And other people who we've talked about today, you know, and receive one shitstorm after the other have received certain very high level awards, having been, you know, promoted, supported with big money from big companies. That's where this, you know, annoyance comes from. Yeah, I'm no idea uh, how the atmosphere at such a conference in New York, uh, New sorry, Orleans. in New, New Orleans. Orleans, in New Orleans, Uh, will be maybe maybe they will meet together in the streets of New Orleans and enjoy the um, the jazz music. Make a little bit of music, you think? Yeah, who knows? Well, they will make their own music. <laughs> not own sure. Music, yeah. Not sure which which music I would then um, prefer. Yeah. So my second news is about ASML and the Netherlands, the USA and China. I read an article. And the quote is, the Dutch minister says, U.S. can't dictate approach to China export. The country will make own assessments, official tells the newspaper. The U.S. shouldn't accept the Netherlands to unquestionably adopt its approach to China export restrictions, a senior Dutch official warned, signaling a, a potential obstacle to the Biden administration trade fight. So it's all about trade fight in the next years. 
Yeah, I recall. I think I don't know when you when you mentioned it a year to year, maybe half a year ago. Uh, there was a an ASML machine halted at that time. Uh, you know, it's In it's Rotterdam. all about. And I think I may have referred to it because I wasn't born too far away. Whenever there's something important, like you know the the famous flowers from Van Gogh, they are not. He, he wasn't born too far away from where I was born, or the other way around. <laughs> but also ASML from Eindhoven, ex Philips, right? And of course, you know ASML is the number one provider of equipment for the highest, or should I say, smallest level of nanometer chip manufacturing around. The world based on the lenses from German Zeiss company and from German Trumpf laser. And of course, when the US, you know, when they administration decided, you know, they're going to keep the chip manufacturing technology in-house in the United States as much as possible. You know, certain other com countries, companies will say, well, you know, we have got a thriving business here. So, I mean, I think that has been a topic for as long as I can remember when I was part of the chip manufacturing, you know, 20, 30 years ago, there was always a blacklist. And at what level that is being discussed, at, at what level politicians can agree or disagree on, you know, doing things or not doing things. Um, very interesting to see what's going to come out of that. And politicians are talking about AI technology, AI software, open source software, because I, I talked to some researchers, uh, I think two weeks ago, and they are a little bit afraid of because in the moment, everybody is sharing their results, their ideas, and they recognize that there is a mind shift in the USA and there's pressure from the Biden administration on big tech companies not to publish everything free and open source because it's an advantage of the of the US economy to have the most important AI solutions or the most powerful AI on the world. So it's very interesting that there's also a, a pressure on on maybe a pressure on big tech companies not to publish everything. And that was the idea to use AI and to publish everything on AI. I'm sure there's going to be a topic in your open source uh, podcast. You said you're going to be recording soon after this one. It's, um, it's yeah, what is it? I think it's um, maybe if you look back, I'm not a historian, but at least from a, let's say, a business a global development perspective, you see these big waves, right? And these waves are about we've talked about before, you know, concentrating on what you are as a company and, you know, throw away everything else towards 10 years later, the other way around and these waves or openness, closeness and what we feel, you know, of course, as part of what is happening in the world today, we see, you know, that um, that countries, you know, maybe specifically now driven by the United States, are putting a boundary around what they consider. And that is really not different from you recall from the very first recording four years ago when I talked about uh, machine builders saying my data does not go into the cloud, right? That has changed a bit. But I'm still not certain that it has come to a final point. There is technology, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
but it's always about the same. If you really feel that you have something and that is the core, the base, you, that they are what we at Intel called your crown jewels, you know, you are careful with them. So, and we have been opening up. You know, you know better than others because, and that's what you do, your, your open source podcast. Um, and it's, it's interesting. Looking forward to be listening to that podcast from you <laughs> yeah. and, and listening to you say, you know, does that mean that open source is becoming less open towards closing source? Again, question mark. Um, let's talk about our crown jewels because our crown jewels is the main, are the main parts in our podcast. And so I close the news. I still have one, actually, if I may. Or you oh, you have, you have one? Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mention before. Maybe I yeah. did. Let me quickly do a second one. It's yeah. related yeah. to the first one, probably. So the question is, when are you, dear listener, going to publish your book? And that's, that's maybe on the same, it is on the same topic of openness and closeness. There you go. There is a guy called Danny Portman. He did. You know, he, he, he published Robbie and the Dog, Cat, Fox. AI for kids. Uh, it's uh, it's Robbie. That's Robbie with a zero. I don't know how you pronounce that. Uh, row zero, Bobby. I don't know. It's a kid robot. It started first grade this year on its very first day at school. Has to learn about machine learning, image recognition. Uh, now, I, I would not have, you know, f just for that reason, I've mentioned it here. The point is that all illustrations in the book, they were made with the help of AI. It's kind of homage to uh, Isaac Asimov as well. Now, I had talked to Danny before, and th at that time, like a week ago, told him that I myself had started considering producing yet another book. It, it was going to be about chess. And I had already produced an illustration. That was the point here. It was not about the contents, you know, and I was going to write my ideas. You know, I wasn't going to ask an AI, but I was going to ask an AI, specifically Stable Diffusion, and it had produced wonderful images. So, oh, wow, that's going to be at the cover. And you and I, you know, we, we recall... You know, we've done two books or with the help, with your support, also the second book. And we had your acquaintance, graphic designer, doing wonderful, great design. At this time, I wasn't sure that I could use that illustration. And then Danny shared a release with me. It's from Stability AI. We can share it as well. And I'll, I'll read one sentence. It says, The model is being released under a creative ML open rail dash M. I don't know what that is. License. This is a permissive license that allows for commercial and non-commercial usage. This license is focused on ethical legal use of the models as your responsibility and must accompany any distribution of the model. So stop there. Now, the point is, of course, you know, this stable diffusion, which is kind of, you know, changing the world of design. And, and, my, and the point in the end, of course, is, you know, what has this got to do with us, dear listeners, industrial AI? Well, You know, whatever I believe we are discussing here, ha maybe not now, but you, if, if you're not a designer yourself of whatever machine equipment, other things, well, I'm relatively certain that you have colleagues somewhere and not only in the marketing department, right? You know, doing imaging. No, no. You, you, all of you, somehow you produce something. If it's not a service that doesn't have anything tangible, but most of you have colleagues. You design notebooks or machines, whatever. And very soon, if not yet, you or your colleagues 
uh, you know, you will start using this kind of technology as well. And this week, Peter and me will discuss this topic with some colleagues from Festo. And you will hear that on Christmas in our Christmas episode, because it's very, very interesting. Looking forward to it. And now we go on the main part, Peter. Exactly. It's all about a saw. You have two oh, guests and it turned to be a great episode. Please introduce some tipping points. Yeah, I will, I will, I will. What kind of saw is that? Yeah, they are industrial saws. I actually have seen them because I, you know, I spend privately time in an area where there's a lot of wood and there's many saw mills. So there's these huge saws. Uh, saw blades and after they've been working for a couple of days or weeks you know sawing huge uh, trees they have to be sharpened again and equipment exists and and they do that automatically for let's say 80 percent something like that and then a human comes called the saw doctor Uh, and the saw doctor starts hammering left and right and makes them, you know, towards 100%. You know, these saw doctors don't exist anymore. And they have produced then a piece of uh, artificial intelligence and that is taking over. Now, th the big interest here is that we talk of a, I believe it's like a 20 person company in the south of Bavaria, where there's a wonderful area for going for tourism. And I think the main point in the end is it's very interesting in itself, but also artificial intelligence has arrived with small companies. I think in the first three years, we've probably almost exclusively talked about yeah, research and the big yeah. companies. And now we see this small company, they have decided with the help of a bigger company, um, but they start selling, you know, machinery, including artificial intelligence as a 20-person company. Enjoy listening to the main part. Thank you very much, Peter. It was a pleasure. Pleasure on my side. Looking forward to see you in the course of this week, Robert. And a uh, nice hello uh, to our listeners. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. My guests today are Michael Trump, that is Trump with a B at the end, no relation to the former U.S. president. Uh, he works in production, electric engineering, and Siegfried Kohlbacher, he is the managing director. And we're going to talk about how AI makes source, that is source for sawing wood, even sharper. Hello, Micha. Hello. Hello, Siegfried. Hello. So, Siegfried Let's stay with you. Please introduce yourself to our listeners. Okay, I'm Siegfried Kohlbacher, the CEO of the Kohlbacher GmbH. Very good. Micha, same for you. Please introduce yourself to our listeners. My job here is the electric engineering, PLC programming, working for the company now almost nine years. So it's growing, developing new technologies, and it's a pleasure to work here. That's my job, doing also a little bit of the production planning, but mainly the PLC program. Okay, sounds great. PLCs are very important for being able to do artificial intelligence. So before we get into the AI saw application, if I may call it that secret, please give us a, a quick introduction into your company. Okay. Well, as I said, it's, it's, we do like jeans for the saw blade manufacturing. We also started to go into the industrial part where we do like coils and making like for the second industry as well in the carpentry industry, like mass production, saw blades, machines and equipment for that. Well, what's the reason? Okay. We're going 
what makes uh, artificial intelligence it's getting very important in our business now is because you don't get any qualified personnel anymore and there's more and more like customers they're asking for machines out there to to automate the the production more and more this is why we are actually going into the artificial intelligence and we've got a machine out there it's like a tensioning and leveling machine which repairs the saw blades which makes the saw blades the flatness of these bandsaws this is what can i say about this machine this is what the main the main direction we we're going in with this artificial intelligence so what does the machine typically do so it's i understand that it's a relatively automated process for leveling tension so it's it's kind of repairing blades that have been used before yes it's like leveling blades that's been used before usually when they they come out they these these saw blades they usually last about like let's just say eight hours in in the production of these saw mills here and after every use they come off and then they usually are damaged bent or the tensions lost in the blades themselves this is then when we we have to find a machine which is now done manually we can imagine this They do it now is by, by having a manual tensioning bench. There's two rolls that are pressing together. And the guy who is tensioning the, these blades, they have to do this with a feeling. You know, that one guy's stronger, the other guy's not so strong. They give you more tension, less tension. And to level the blade, they go there with a hammer. And they keep hitting with a hammer and trying to get these bumps and these dishes out of the blades with a hammer. And now this is very work intensive and of course it's to try to get the guy who can do this good is very very difficult to find people like that nowadays you know it's impossible and this is then this is where we got this machine for the artificial intelligence to try and automate all this that's almost you know don't and try digitalize digitalize that as well in a way you know so, so you can you can work at the proper results so that is what i understand is the job of what you call a, a sword doctor Yes, that's what we call a saw doctor. Yeah, he's he's the guy in, in a saw mill or in the production that that does and uh, operates the machines, the grinders, and make sure that the saw blades, when they come in for service, they get repaired and they get back out into the fields to and where they get used again. Okay, and I understand that this job is now being taken over by an AI-based solution. So it's rather than a threat. I understand for, you know, in the past, it was many, many times, and I see that that is changing at the moment. In the last, let's say, five years, whenever we were talking automation, we were always careful because, you know, people said, oh, you know, automation is taking away jobs. But in this case, you already said, but maybe you can talk a little bit more about it. It's an opportunity because you say there is there are no saw doctors anymore or they are difficult to get, right? Yeah, it's 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 very difficult to get, and there are also very little, like few places around where you can actually learn the trade. You know, this is like a a trade that's been dying over the last couple of years. You know, it's where where do you go to to learn a saw doctor or try get one of these youths or these guys coming out of school and say, hey, you want what do you want to become a saw doctor? They all look at you stupid and say, hey, you know, <laughs> what's this year? You know, I'm not going to sit there. Hammer, hammer on the blade the whole day, sort of thing. And so you got there, no, no chance at all to try and find anyone out there to to do it. You know. I understand. It's yeah. It's it sounds like whenever we talk about other kind of jobs that that have been around, you know, whatever, twenty, thirty, forty years ago, and the older generation, they they tell you about what was there, and you you listen with big interest and amazement. Oh, really? That was the job. So it's a relatively normal cycle, I guess. 
Okay, so Micha, can you tell us a bit about the um, automation platform that you're basing your solution on? Yes, it's uh, the new Control X generation from Bosch Rexroth, where we first got in touch on a sneaky preview. I think it's almost three or four years ago uh, where Bosch Rexroth invited us to Stuttgart. And there was also um, one speaker talking about the AIs and the uh, Recently, as Sigi, <laughs> when we drive home from Stuttgart, he was like, oh, we do that with the hammerhead because that's the perfect uh, use case for that. And so we started to talk with Rexford, uh, can we do that? And they said, yes, of course we can do. And yeah, as I said, the new Control X has a lot of opportunities to do stuff like this. And then the, it's a very open platform. So we got in touch with Rexford and uh, developed together this machine for the AI. So it's interesting to hear. The Hammerhead is the name of your uh, leveling solution, is that right? That's right, yeah. So all of our all our machines named uh, for uh, some fishes. So we have the shark, the barracuda, the stingray. And uh, the Hammerhead, uh, because of the hammer, is the Hammerhead shark. So I understand. Very good. Uh, so, okay, so there is a strong relation to the automation solution as offered by Bosch Rexroth, I understand. So if I'm going to ask you how this uh, AI solution works and go into a little bit more detail, I mean, did you train a model? So um, Siegfried just, you know, told about that, you know, in the past, you know, young people had to learn, you know, this this profession and, and now they have an interest in doing other things and that's perfectly okay. But nevertheless, an AI needs to be trained as well, right? Can you can you talk a little bit about that, how that works? Our standard hammerhead works like you have a set of parameters and you can save it on a, on a, pro a program number. And now all adjustments has to be made manually and you, you put in a blade, you do some basic setup and then you look what's coming out. Okay, then you adjust a few parameters and do the next thing until you get the perfect solution from the set of parameters. And what the AI does is uh, when you put in the blade, you mark it where it starts and the AI measures the blade condition before it starts to work. That, okay, so it's split up in segments and measures every segment. Then it starts working with the basic set of parameters and then it checks the blade again and says, okay, I have done this. I need a little bit more pressure here, a little bit less pressure there and does the cycle again. So the first time you put on a new saw blade, a new program, it takes maybe 20 cycles. And the second time, so from our experience, the first is, a lot, is around 20 cycles, the next one is 10 cycles, and then you go down to, to eight, five, and after 10 or 15 blades, you're done in two cycles, so which is quite fast. But you have to do this for, for every different saw blade. You have different width, you have different thickness, you have different tension setups. So you have to train a model for every different kind of blade. But it, it learns pretty fast. So as I said, 10, 15 blades, and then uh, the model is quite fast and it's then it's just uh, getting faster down to one cycle. Okay, well, we are, in this case, uh, comparing. I mean, you see it as an opportunity, but what, what does that mean if we compare that capability with what a saw doctor does? Is it at the same level of capability or is the big advantage that, you know, because now it is a machine and the machine can run, you know, theoretically 24-7 if you need to? Yes. The main difference is if, it, if it's doing a saw doctor, He checks the blade on one or two places on the blade and says, okay, tension is good, the back is good, the leveling is good. But the AI measures, as I said, a lot of segments. So when it's coming down from the machine, the whole blade is below 15% to error tolerance. So there's uh, normally where the saw blade is welded together, you never get it perfect because there's the welding line. 
So this is the only part of the blade where you have maybe a little bit out of tolerance, but the rest of the blade is perfectly even, perfectly tensioned, so there is no failure. The saw doctor tests two places on the blade, and then they says it's good. So you have a big advantage in the precision, and you don't have to care about it. You don't need an operator that exactly knows how a saw blade works and, and where to press and things like this. Okay, understand. Now, uh, without data, no artificial intelligence. Uh, you already uh, introduced yourself as also being responsible for your PLC. So what is the, the kind of data that you use and how easy is it for you to get access to the data? So the data is, as I said, the set of parameters. And in the normal machine, we also have this function to, to save it on the program number. And in the AI machine, it works the same way. So if you choose a new program number, you type in your dimensions of the blade and the AI data, what it learned is saved on this program number. So you can, you can train up to 900 different AI models in the machine and you, you can just load it and put in the, the correct blade that's fitting to this uh, program. And then you, you learn from there. So it's no learning process ever is lost. Okay. And that's all happening locally on your machine, like on your, yeah. on, on the PLC, which is on done. the PLC. Yeah. Everything is saved in the control X. We also have a panel PC, but uh, there is only the HMI running. Okay. So the, your customers, so the, the, the company that is buying your machine, they will do the training, as you just said, per each of type of saw. So yeah. they not not knowing it, I guess, up front because they do not need to, but they are training a model yeah. and that model is being saved on the PLC. And then in the future, when they do the leveling, you know, the model is, is being used for that specific song. Yeah, yeah. You cannot use data from one customer to another customer. There's one thing about the customers don't like to share data, of course. Uh, <laughs> and the other thing is... Um, Every customer does it different. So I did, I don't know, around five, six installs for this machine and every customer tells you it has to be different. So there's no way to, to get from one data set from this customer to another customer. Okay, and one final question there. You provide the machines with almost like without a model. They produce their own model for their own uh, for their own source because, as you say, they know better than I mean, all any of your customer knows better than you is what they probably say, <laughs> or yeah, better yeah. than any other customer. Okay, great to hear, uh, Siegfried. Can you share some initial experience, like more on a on a customer level? You know, are the customers happy with it or? Well, at the moment, we got the prototype working. At the moment, so we I haven't got I've only got the one customer now. He's a he's a saw manufacturer in uh, Italy, and he's he's busy playing with it now and, and testing the machine as it's going because we, we we need he's got experience, he's got people there that know, that know their job. So so that's the reason why we took it down to firstly to a saw manufacturer who actually knows what he's doing. The feedback that we're getting now is it says it's very positive at the moment. The only thing, of course, because he's a saw manufacturer, he doesn't like the starting up time for the IA to to learn, you know, because the learning processes, like like Mika said, it takes quite long. And we're talking something like eight hours to do the first blade. Whereas when they do it by hand in the company, they're doing like in a half an hour. But the the machine after, like I'd say, by the fifteenth blade or something like that, they're getting exactly at the exactly same time as what the these professionals we're talking like now, very good saw doctors. These guys have got. We're getting at the same time, so the machine 
tends to learn. And that's the only thing where he says, okay, it's a little bit negative. The, the teaching time is too long. But otherwise, working very well. And by looks of it, if we are planning to do like next year at at least one or two and send them out then to a sawmill where you've got the unexperienced saw doctor or you haven't got a saw doctor at all, you know, at the moment, you know, so. Very good. Quick question back to you, Mia, then. So is there, have you considered maybe that you produce, you know, a more general model because you as a manufacturer, you probably know the different, you know, maybe there's 10 or 20, I don't know, different source. Have you considered producing a general model and put that on the machine before you send it out and then maybe the training is even faster is that an option or not no what we were thinking about is what we have in the standard machine not now because the pressure is mainly depending on the blade thickness and of course the the ai has to start somewhere but what we want to do is to make a table like blade thickness 1.4 starting value is 60 percent pressure for example 1.8 so that the starting procedure of the AI is faster so it doesn't have to start with the minimum pressure it starts a little bit higher and learn faster that is what we uh, want to do on the next machines or include also in on, on this machine running right now but as i said there are not 10 or 15 different blades existing there are thousands blade every subproducer every blade is different you cannot do a general model for something okay very good uh, i was just thinking out loud maybe that's a topic you've heard in our podcast or we can we can discuss in the future as well where, where we've had you know like talk about the the few short learning you have a huge model and the model has so much information and every time you you add a little bit but that's that's uh, that's the thing we can discuss uh, further uh, Siegfried are you you know so the first thing you're doing is you say you have a problem you know there's no saw doctors anymore so you are coming up with a wonderful solution AI based but in on top of that do you see that there's maybe now a potential new market for you as a company Poof, difficult to say. You know, we, this is, it's a very, it's not a, the spectrum is very small. You know, the customer, it's not, a, not like you haven't, I haven't got a wide range out there, you know. So the new more, I don't know if it's in a new world. It's, it's an improvement out there in the field for sure. And, um, if, I, if, if it works out to be good, I'm sure it's gonna, it's gonna like revolutionize this. We call it this tensioning and leveling of the blades and that cause it, then it, you get machines. We must also say there are machines. We got the, hammerhead out for for a couple of years already and we got like you can say it is like sort of an automatic machine but it's still that the customers can't take a person off the street and put him on that machine you know the, the thing is the hammerhead you you still need a saw doctor to to work with a with a hammerhead as is now and she does then once once that saw doctor puts in all the pressures and everything the machine does work by itself and finishes off the blade the thing is now you still need a saw doctor to program or to put in the pressures. So that's why I say it'll be uh, in the future. I think we will we will sell more. And, and if it works and it works well, then it'll open a quite a market for us for that way. I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll be able to sell quite a lot of those machines. That's what I could imagine. Yeah. At least your competition, if that exists one way or the other, you know, they will have to come after you and do the at least provide the same or similar ai based solution right yeah i'm sure they will i'm sure they will it's, so Micha, who developed the ai solution is that you by yourself a team are the tools the the capabilities are they kind of inside of the bosch rex road uh, platform how does that work it's like there is a kolbach ai app running on the control x and so 
we put the machine actually to the prototype room in Bosch Rexroth in Lohr, and we developed together uh, the complete machine. The AI app itself, it's uh, developed by Bosch Rexroth technician, Stefano Di Blasi. He did a very good job. What we did, we changed our PLC program a bit to uh, work together with the AI solution, but the AI itself, it's uh, developed by Rexroth. Okay, so the base AI capabilities, they really come from, from Bosch Rexroth. Yeah. Very good. So coming to a close here, Mika, maybe first you, wh where are we standing? How do you see the market as far as, you know, embedding this kind of, we talked about one specific solution today, you know, artificial intelligence in manufacturing machines. Do you have a view? Where are we standing in, you know, where you're based, south of Germany, Europe? I mean, do you see similar solutions coming from, from China, the US? And, and how do you see that this is going to change the market in the next couple of years? Uh, I think it's getting more and more because it, it has a so, so much opportunities to use. So we are also planning now uh, another AI solution for our sharpening machines to create the profiles and uh, do quality checks with the camera system. It's coming next year then, also based on the Control X. Uh, I said, you know, the machine's working now normally, but as we also see when we visit customers they want to get more out of a machine by less people and with the ai solution you don't need a one to do the quality control or do things like this because the ai makes it perfect so i think it's it, it will get in more and more especially if saw producers getting bigger they have a lot of machines and then they have one one guy for five machines for example and he's busy just loading deloading loading deloading he cannot care about quality things and and get the most out of a machine uh, so and the ai can help in these cases so i guess ai in the industry it doesn't matter if it's a small or big industry it will get more and more and we will do our part to get to get part of this ai things Sounds great. Siegfried, you want to add your view on how the in industrial AI market is going to be changing over the next couple of years? Yeah, I mean, it did. Like, if you look at it in, in our case on, on the company with these new machines, and like Mika's already said, next year we, we're doing this with a quality control because it's also quite an issue now with it. I think in the future, it opens up a, a lot of possibilities, put it that way. I mean, on the one side, like you you said, uh, maybe you'll have this one or other person without work because AI will take over his work. But I still think on the other side, it'll also give you more opportunities. For, for us, for sure, in, in the industrial, the artificial intelligence will bring more opportunities. And if you, I think it's the way to go. And, and if you like, we are like building machines. We use a lot of automated systems. So if you're, If you're in that field, I think in a couple of years, you're not going to get past using artificial intelligence. I think that's going to be it. Uh, would strongly agree with you there. And it's uh, just as a, as a closing remark from my side, it's really wonderful to see how you as a, you know, not as a, as a global, but not as a, you know, 100,000 employee, but company, but uh, like, a, you know, small middle market segment that you have already jumped onto the artificial intelligence bandwagon. That's really great to hear. So uh, any listeners that maybe want to get in touch with you, I check with Micha, please send an email. That's the best thing to do. And that will find its way to uh, s.kohlbacher at kohlbacher.com. That's s for Siegfried.kohlbacher, K-O-H-L-B-E. 
A-C-H-E-R. That's a wonderful German, Southern German name <laughs> at Kohlbacher.com. <laughs> so um, otherwise, if you, dear listeners, have any questions, comments, as always, please send a short email to peter at aipod.de. Very happy that you stayed with us so far. Looking forward to have you with us again. And Siegfried, Micha, thank you very much. See you soon. Uh, we are actually not that far away from each other. Um, you are based in the, the beautiful, touristic Bavarian landscape of um, Bischofswiesen, if I'm correct. And I can strongly suggest interested listeners that are close or far away to consider spending some holidays and combining it with a visit to your office. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you. Thank you.